Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting with steve lynn robot on the cycling independent episode 50 a race to the bottom and we're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes you might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up if you're sensitive about this thing uh these things those things any if you're sensitive them. about any of those things maybe if this you're sensitive beat it yeah this isn't the podcast yeah. for you we talk Take about a hike. we talk Go about hiking talk about things that might get your panties bunched so mm. sorry not sorry uh good morning it's the 50th episode today robot 50th episode yeah for for the, our 50th episode i got you the gift of covid 19 how do you yeah. like it love it uh, two and a half years of successfully avoiding this bullshit. And, uh, and, uh, I went, uh, I traveled, uh, to Colorado. I think we discussed that last week. And then I traveled from Colorado and, uh, I had my mask off only long enough on my return to eat some food in the Las Vegas airport. And I'm pretty sure that's where I got it. So Major fuck Las mistake. Vegas, fuck Las Vegas, fuck Las Vegas, the Las Vegas airport. And now I yeah. have a dirty, dirty disease. <laughs> it's making your, if this is possible, it's making your voice even, even a little more sexy than it was before. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It does. I mean, it's not like this doesn't, this just feels like a travel cold, you know, which is the wildest thing yeah. to me that, that COVID-19 affects people so differently. Uh, I've been locked down now uh, in my shitty little hovel for five days, not seeing a soul. I did sneak out to buy some jelly beans yesterday. Mm. Um, so I'm sure, but I, so it's, uh, it's just, it's like, you know, put some people in the ICU, ICU and, and some people, it just is like a stuffed up nose. I don't get it. Yeah. But uh, I also have had it in a fairly, fairly mild way, although the fatigue was bad. Just the, the cold was. I just want to rewind to I snuck out to get some jelly beans because we just gl we just glided right past that. Well, <laughs> because you have covid and you were like, well, I can't go out for anything but a real emergency. Like. <laughs> uh, I, I had, well, I did, I, d I did a couple mail runs, um, but I was, you know, I delivered everything to a mailbox outside and didn't interact with anybody and, uh, cleaned my hands beforehand and cleaned my hands afterwards. You know, like I haven't talked to anybody. I basically am like Howard Hughesing it in my house right now. My fingernails are yeah. super long. My beard is huge. <laughs> I'm right. afraid, I'm afraid of the germs on the walls. 
And yeah. don't look me right in the eye if you can help it. <laughs> it's so it's it's pretty lame. Uh, but I feel like I don't feel bad. I it, it, there's some there's fires nearby. I'm pretty sure because it was so smoky yesterday. Uh, the AQI here was like in the almost 200s. Uh-huh. So it was dangerous to be outside anyway. It's just like, is this is this how the, my my existence ends? It's just like shut in because the air is too bad outside. I've got some horrible infectious disease on the inside and I'm just stuck eating the remnants of my jelly beans. Well, good news, bad news. The good news is this is not how your story ends. The bad news is it goes just like this for another 30 years. Hot dog. So much to look forward to. <laughs> but you, you did. So I asked you to explain the jelly beans oh. and then you told, you retold the story in possibly a more boring way and <laughs> totally skipped the jelly beans again. Well, so I, I, I have this restaurant that I want to open called what I eat. <laughs> And, uh, it's called What I Eat? Yeah. And it's just got like cool shit that I that I eat. Like good stuff. And nothing costs more than $8 and everything's healthy. And it's like kind of, you know, like uh, one thing that I make. I, I switched it up a little bit yesterday, but it's a, uh, it's a burrito. Black bean burrito with shredded cheddar cheese. Uh, little bits of fried bacon if you are into such a thing. And then mm, I make sure. this really delicious kale salad. So it's kale. Uh, amino acids, olive oil, lemon juice, pickled red onions, and toasted pumpkin seeds. And all of this is wrapped up in a tortilla. So this Ladies, is... are you listening to this? There is a <laughs> the, catch this waiting is, out there to be caught. <laughs> this is going to be one of the menu items. And then I was thinking, because I, I was eating three fruit-flavored Lifesavers and one dark chocolate-covered cherry all at the same time. And I was like, oh, this is a real good palate cleanser. Maybe this is like, well, this will be on the menu. But you just get it in a little cup and that's free. You know, it's like a mint at the end of your meal. Oh, it's, and so, it's three lifesavers and a chocolate covered oh, no, cherry. Sorry, did I say I keep calling them lifesavers? They're free, three fruit flavored jelly beans. Uh-huh. Tr- Trader Joe's has these jelly beans that are uh, markedly better than than jelly bellies, like way better, a thousand times better. And then they okay. released sour jelly beans. So I like to mix the sours and the regular fruit flavored ones. So you, you, yeah. the, the, the sour ones by themselves are just too much. They're too powerful. Huh. Um, but I didn't, I was kind of on my last bits when I got home and, and I had, I ate the last bit of my jelly beans and my, um, and my chocolate covered cherries after one of my burritos. And I thought this is going to be a long fucking lockdown if i don't have any jelly beans so i went i went and bought some i like uh, it did i i like did it I, a lot did i tell you though i had a dream a couple years ago that antonio colombo from columbus and chinelli uh yeah he, he bankrolled two more businesses for me after i got all uh after i got what i eat up and running uh <laughs> one of them was called what i wear and it's uh it's just <laughs> t-shirts and shorts and uh in all in every size like you you can dress exactly like me and if you, no matter what your your size shape or gender and then next, I love it. next door to that was a uh, was a store called what i listened to and it was just basically oh. my my record collection i 
I really like it. <laughs> I really like it. Jeez, if I had some money. <laughs> what one of the sandwiches on my menu is called uh well it was a bunch of years ago it was like I don't remember what kind of bread it was. It was like a like a rosemary herb bread. And uh, I had fried a piece of bacon, uh, fried a piece of chicken in bacon fat and it had avocado and tomatoes and spinach and all this stuff on it. And when I bit into it, I said, fucking A, because it was super good. And yeah. I thought, oh, this should be on the menu. But what will I offer vegetarians? And then I thought, oh, I make one with uh, plant-based meat products, but that will be called the fake A. Oh, right. I mean, this is this is God. easy. Nothing, nothing's terribly expensive. It's kind of like high grade bar food. Uh, it's canned I feel like beer. you got a whole playbook. Like there should be some restaurant entrepreneur. I'll do it. I'll design the whole menu. You know, like I don't know anything about opening a restaurant, but I think that I think this would be a lot. This would be a pretty fun project. So it's what I eat, what I wear and what I listen to. I have a whole business park full of stuff yeah no i like it um what i what i drink it'll be a liquor store somewhere around the way and it'll only have cheap beer and bourbon oh and uh green tea green tea canada dry green tea ginger ale fuck i found some of that a couple years ago i've only seen it one time and it was mad delicious wow yeah I'll say I've never been to a restaurant with jelly beans on or off the menu. So that to me is a big miss by the restaurant industry. There's a place in downtown Oakland called Moi and they have a little, they have a little thing of, of jelly beans at the, at the front. I like, they're, they're really, that place is awesome. M U A. Hang on. It's a bowl. It's a bowl of loose jelly beans. Uh, there's a little spoon. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't go. I don't go for those either. But I like the idea of having jelly beans available. There's a bowl I with mean, a little spoon in it, and you can grab them. But this, you know, this is before COVID. I, I don't know. I never ate any of Every six-year-old in the nation, any every <laughs> six-year-old snotty has yeah. like jammed their snot-covered fist into that bowl. Think about bulk food dispensers. You know, like how many fucked-up yeah. teenagers walk in and just grab a handful of granola. Yeah. yeah, I have. Jesus, I remember getting chased out of the Safeway. Well, not chased. I think I was per imagining I was being chased and there was just like a stream of sour balls behind me, like rolling across <laughs> the floor. Like <laughs> just ravaged the uh, ravaged the bulk food aisle. What what kids <clears throat> who run mostly don't understand is the the adults who are um, theoretically chasing them are just too tired and fed up to actually run. Like, yeah. to even, like if you break into a jog, you're a real go-getter. Yeah. Well, my friend millionaire, Bob, he, I love this story. He used to work at uh whole foods in Berkeley and he was late for work this one day. And this guy walked out and bumped into him and Bob being kind of a, kind of a prick. He's just a customer walking out of the store, bumped into him. Bob like shoved him super hard against the wall and uh, a couple of like pretty expensive bottles of champagne fell out of his jacket. And all Bob was doing was starting a fight with the customer. But in fact, he like stopped the shoplifter and got like employee, <laughs> employee of the month. <laughs> no, 
Oh man, he's so funny. He used to work at the in the bulk food department, and his thing was to carry a five gallon bucket around, and it looked like he was either just coming from filling something or going to fill something, but he would just like turn it over and sit on it. He just like go <laughs> <laughs> up into this catwalk and sit on his bucket. He invented quiet quitting. <laughs> Millionaire. He's a Bob. pioneer. Nobody yeah. knew what this guy, he never really had a job, but he always had pretty nice bikes. So our friend Monster called it, started calling him Millionaire Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let, anyway. let's, let's, let's talk about music. Let's do music picks. And then we're going to do something groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break to do our sponsorship plug. Normally okay. we don't, we just coast right through and then it gets bombed in the middle. Patrick does the best he can editing today. We're going to, we're going to stop and pause for our thanks and praise. I think that's a good idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Music, but pick let's of the, do mu- music pick of the week. Yeah. Go. Mine is, um, a, an Australian band. Uh, apparently there's like a garage punk scene in Melbourne, Australia. I didn't oh, you, know. You bet there is. There is. Uh, and there's a band called Stiff Richards, um, which is probably not a pun or a euphemism. And they make very good music. They're probably all, it's about like uptight guys named Richard. Yes. Type yeah, A. It's probably. Type A Richards. Yes. Not Ricky's. No. Um, and I think I think actually you may have influenced me or infected me because lately I am listening to a lot of bands whose songs start yeah. or yeah mm. or yeah. whatever. It's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love it the most. Well, I'm, I'm Stiff Richards could, is one of those bands. I'm glad I could help. Uh, St- OK, Stiff Richards from Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> Uh, I also before before you go, I also want to point out a band whose music I don't really like, but I love the band. And I sent you a video last night. Uh, a band called uh, Voice of Bachepot, which is a, a trio of Indonesian women who are Muslim and wear the hijab and play new metal. <laughs> mm, yeah, I do. I did get slay. that text message, but I haven't listened to it because I've been watching o- the Ocean's Eleven trilogy. Oh, very important business. <laughs> sure, uh, with your okay. jelly beans. Yeah. <laughs> what are they called again? They're v- called Voice of Bachepot, which is B A C E P O T. And okay. they sing in English and Sundanese, which is the language of Western Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And each of them is an amazing musician. Like I said, they don't make music that I like, but I really like what they are. Okay. All right. That sounds uh, super intriguing. And I will pause my, I will pause the Ocean's Eleven trilogy as soon as we get off of today's call. <laughs> Uh, yes. put, put my cup of jelly beans to the side and I will, I will investigate. Oh, please do. What's uh, your, what's your pick? Okay. My pick is a band from Portland called bothers. Uh, they're a three piece. And upon first listening, I would say, Oh, it sounds like REO speed dealer with a cup of San Diego poured over the top of it. 
And then I looked them up. They've got a Bandcamp account. And the description at the bottom is wordy and colorful. And it reads like, uh, tune up, tune up, turn up, burn out, fear not, fellow traveler. Father Springs, you napalm daydreams for the dystopian present. How's the trouble? Maxed, bass thick, brains parboiled. Imagine recent Froberg squaring up for a naked knife fight, seven caps deep and frothing rabid circa 1993. Faster than a dingo humping a power outlet, this is a front row ticket to the <laughs> void that is your future. Fusing the best parts of Wipers, X, and Born Against, their, they aren't selling wolf tickets. This record fires all four carbs before splitting, spitting a melody in your eye when you least expect it. Is that analog delay or an intracranial hemorrhage? Does it even matter anymore? All said, it's the perfect soundtrack to throwing your boss in a fucking wood chipper. Bang! So there it is. Wow! Yeah, Bothers on Dirt Cult Records, uh, three-piece out of Portland, Oregon. You love it. I I I can't wait to stop talking to you so I can start <laughs> listening to that. Yeah, I came across it when I was traveling in Colorado somehow. I don't know where, you know, it's just one of those things that found me, and I'm glad it did. So, uh, all right, bothers. Portland, there we Oregon. have it. Uh, Jesus, we're talking about. We tried to do this. Well, before uh, you go any further, we're going to pause for a sponsorship. Oh, um, son of a bitch! You just said that. Okay. Hey, <laughs> robot, what would you like to do now? Take a pause Let's for a word from our sponsor. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I'll have one. Oh, hey, it's story time with Steve. About three years ago, Shimano tapped me to join a group of people they were calling the Gravel Alliance. Essentially, this was a group of people who were going to ride and test the GRX Gravel Group. We're going to do races around the country and rides and have light influence on design and engineering and research and development tweaks that needed to be done before it went to market. Uh, on the surface... This was just an opportunity to ride bikes and to meet this amazing group of personalities and even to take a peek behind the curtain and learn a little bit more about Shimano as a company. Uh, but on the underneath, I learned more about myself and my own self-worth than I could have ever hoped for. Uh, the whole thing was really brilliant. And I understand that's not exactly what they had in mind when they asked me to sign on, but. Uh, that was a byproduct, and I will forever be in Shimano's debt because of it. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. And five, four, three, two. Yeah, we need to wow, do that we're back. <laughs> we, need to, <laughs> we need to do that again. No, we're fine. Okay. We're fine. We're professionals, and that's how it appears to everyone who's listening. No doubt. So what we we were going to do this episode uh, two weeks ago when I was in Colorado with Joe Parkin has nice hair. Uh, for those who yes. you those of you who don't don't know, uh, Joe is a celebrated author. Uh, his first book called Dog in a Hat was Aces. And Great book. Uh, uh, I don't, what was the name of his, the second one? Come and gone. Come and gone. Yeah. Uh, an American road racer who went on to race professional mountain bikes 
um, before uh, engaging or embarking on a career in motorsports and what the fuck? He's a pilot. He's a marksman. He's why he's a writer. He's a photographer. He's well, wildly talented, uh, seemingly at everything he touches. And I'm bummed that we didn't get a chance to talk with him because today's topic is bicycle racing. And I know he has an endless array of stories about racing professionally in the road in the eighties and on the dirt in the nineties. And, uh, we're just stuck with each other again. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a bummer. And everyone should just turn this off right now because that was going to be a great episode. We shouldn't have even mentioned it, but now that we've mentioned it, you will know that what everything that's going to come next is disappointing, but we're going to tell you what we think about bike racing anyway. In our own experiences, I guess. I mean, I could give a shit about watching other people race bikes. Um, I was talking to my friend Brian, who he was originally, I met him when I was on the Norba circuit. So I was working for Tioga as uh, essentially like a regional regional pro mechanic. Like if people didn't have factory support in a town that we would get to, like we were we were sort of the junior varsity mechanical support. Uh, and Brian at the time was a mechanic for the polo mountain bike team. Uh, Dave Weens and Sherry Kane. And I can't remember the other Franklin Henry was the team director. I can't believe I'm pulling these fucking names out. But so we were talking about like kind of missing working on the road. And I recently saw a world world cup mountain cross country mountain bike footage. And the the crowds and the horns and the 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 sound is just like all the sounds. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I really do miss that a lot. Um, but we don't have the we don't have Norba races anymore. And the UCI can eat a dick. And so, you know, I don't get that. I don't get that sort of experience uh, as a, as a race fan and, a, and an observer. And my own experiences are basically racing, you know, the odd nationals cross country event and uh, local races and and like outlaw races around the Bay Area. So I don't know, like, you know, what's my perspective worth? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> my, you know, what, how, um, do we, how do we talk? How do we start this? Like, yeah, it was just a I fucking sport a- class racer and a, and a A and B cyclocross racer and a nobody like medium fish in a medium pond. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm more interested in, I just don't understand, like, I I have raced very, very little. Mostly I've been at races Mm -hmm. where I was pedaling, but I have not raced. Probably the the sum total of my racing where I was like, oh, I'm going to get in front of this next person was about 90 seconds of my racing endeavor the rest of the time i was just like what are these people doing and i struggle to race seems like such a basic human instinct yeah competition if they you know like the first competition happened when the first person met the second person 
and whatever right. the, whatever that was who could jump the it highest. Was a fart. Or, it was a fart contest or, first. Or throw the <laughs> rock the furthest or eat, oh the rock or could be ride the ride the round wheel the ride the first wheel the the fastest you know and it wouldn't yeah it, it, maybe it is a basic human instinct. So maybe my uh, disinterest in it comes from the fact that I have never had any hope of winning a race. I remember like, even when I was a little kid, um, <laughs> what are you doing? I, I, I don't know. I was just trying to get rid of these little emoji things at the bottom of the screen. And then I just blasted a bunch of them on, on top of mine. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Steve will just blasted me with hearts, <laughs> which was bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Like from the time I was a little kid, uh, I was the slowest little kid. Charles Doobie, who was younger than me, was so much faster. He was like born fast. So, yeah, I think I just gave up on racing like almost from go. Yeah. I've not. Maybe if I was good at it, I'd be into it. I've never been a fan of any type of competition. I wasn't big into team sports. I loved riding bikes and I loved, you know, jumping and the, the idea of racing BMX. I did a little bit of that, but it was just kind of like, ah, I don't know. This is, I really like solitary. I've always liked solitary endeavors. And uh, when I started riding mountain bikes real seriously, uh, my friend Scott said, he had told me, he's like, you're the fastest guy I know who doesn't race. Like you should try a race at some point. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Like this is, mm. the, this is, I think I said that, that, or I think I told him that, you know, this is the first thing I've ever felt really good at. And I don't want to put myself up against other people and find out that I'm just mediocre at this too. And, um, mm. he took me to my first mountain bike race. It was the ring of fire race in Occidental California. And I think I just, I was too late for the, I guess I raced sport class and I did pretty good. And, and, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, maybe this is, maybe this is something that I would enjoy. Um, getting to ride trails with, you know, without, with reckless abandon where you're not worried about hikers and it's all cleared and, you know, you, have an idea of what's coming ahead and you're kind of, maybe you get the opportunity to show off a little bit. I don't know. That kind of opened the door for me. And then I raced geared for another two years, I guess. And then I raced single speed for years after that. Uh, and then I guess, I don't know what happened. I, I just, I guess I just lost the spark or the motivation of the people who I was racing with. You know, a lot of those people, stopped and then I it just didn't it wasn't as much fun to do it by myself or but I kind of fell back into that same pattern of like not really giving a shit about putting myself up against other people I this is a thing that I love and I don't want to I don't feel compelled to prove myself uh I'm not sure you know and when I was a messenger like an odd alley cat. And I think, uh, it was in 1996 messenger worlds. I did that. 
uh, which was super fun, but it was just, you know, riding your bike around the city. And I think I saw that on ESPN 17. Really? No, uh, no, not at all. I don't know. I, I, I like it. I have no idea what, like, I know there's footage of it. There was news footage of it. There were news crews there. I've seen bits and pieces, but it was, uh, I, shit, I, I just don't feel, I don't, I never felt that, that competitive spark, you know? And, yeah. I, 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 as a kid, I played soccer. In fact, I played, I played a lot, a lot, a lot of soccer in my life, but I'm not, I am also not competitive. Like I got involved in a pickup game and kind of the thing about the pickup game and what made it attractive is we didn't keep score. There was never like if someone was like, oh, that's we're ahead seven to five. I'd be like, what? And everyone would look around like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, we're just playing. It's just this is just fun. Yeah. Like it's competitive, but it's not competitive. I used to tell people like I would rather and this is what was wrong with competitive soccer for me is I would rather see you score a great goal than foul you so you didn't score it. But as it turns out, you have to be the cheating uh, sort of cutthroat prick in order to be successful. And I was always just like, oh, I like what you did there. Mm. Uh, that was neat. I like the things in and of themselves. Like I like to ride bikes. I like to ride them fast. Sometimes I like to ride them slow sometimes. Yeah. There's periodically I'll have a day where I feel so in tune physically and I don't fatigue and I, I'm, uh, my skills are as sharp as they can be. And I'm thinking, how come this couldn't happen on race day? You know, but that, <laughs> that only happens like once a year. And, yeah. and the rest of the time, I'm just kind of a hot mess. And, you know, the older I get, definitely the less desire I have to to turn it on. Uh, I don't ride with people very much because I never know what's what my mindset's going to be or what my body is going to feel like doing that day. And, you know, uh, I get nervous. I get real bad butterflies, you know, when I line up anymore. Cross races, uh, not so much because I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty good at cyclocross, but also there's so much, uh, now that I think about it, there's so much attention paid to, um, uh, the, the the experience and then everybody is like documenting and everybody like I don't want I'm not there to be seen I I'm not there to be like documented and so I'd rather just kind of hide away and I don't need pictures of myself and I don't want people to maybe it's just a fear of judgment I'm not sure what it is I tell you though mm. this is this was funny um I had just gotten out of the gym and this was a, a, like a, like a outlaw cross race. I did a, a few years ago and I, um, I rode from the gym to the venue where the race was. And there's this guy, Devlin, who I used to race single speed mountain bikes with, like I've been racing with this guy forever and ever. And we were kind of one another's, uh, rabbits. You know what I mean? Like I was either always chasing him or he was always chasing me. 
and he's a good bike racer. He was sponsored by Panasonic uh, years ago. He was in a Fisher ad, which was pretty funny, like total wow. glam, total glam shot of him holding a bike above his head. It's hilarious. No, <laughs> no shirt on. It's all tattooed and nipple rings. We it gave him grief about that forever. But so I show up and we, you know, we line up and we take off and we're like kind of like neck and neck the whole, you know, hour race. And I would pull in to like get a feed or get some water or whatever. And then I would, he'd come up behind me and then I'd take off. And every time I pulled over, he thought I was quitting. And so he was, it was a little bit of psychological warfare. And then I'd take off and I'd hear him behind me just going, fuck, fuck, God damn it. And then he'd take off because he won't (laughs) quit no matter what, like fit or not fit. He just absolutely won't quit. And he, I dragged him around for uh, probably the last 20 minutes of the race and just, just devastated him emotionally. And that was, <laughs> that was such a highlight, you know, for me, it was so like that, that stuff I really love when you, when you get to, when you get to uh, have that sort of fun camaraderie and fun sort of competition with, with your, with your friend having that stuff with strangers. Mm. It just, I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way unless you click. Mm. Oh, and the other thing I always love is like whenever I finish a race, especially in a cross race, cause the A's and the B's, everybody's racing together. I don't know. I never understood how they keep track of all that shit, but no matter who I'm crossing the line with, like there could be somebody just ahead of me and I will sprint on them and I will throw my bike and I will fucking nick them at the line every single time. And it's always confusing to people because I just basically, I just threw my bike at the line against a C and they're just like, well, what, the, what the fuck? Or like a women's C, you know, they're like, we're not even racing against each other. And I was like, we were right, right then. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. When I've, when I've raced, I've only ever been just sort of like fodder or like I've been a person who's in the race. And then in the last minute, I'll be like, mm. well, I could pass this. That's I pass this guy. That's your time to shine. Yeah. Make the, yeah. make the final sprint count, make the final sprint, you know, <laughs> go big victory salute, the whole thing. Like make, make that, make crossing the line. I don't care if you're first or last, but if you can fuck somebody up at the line, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite. I don't, I don't know. I've been, have you ever ghost, have you ever ghost ridden oh, a finish line? No. No, no, that's disrespectful. Yeah. And you're also going to potentially fuck somebody up or crash somebody out. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, not with, not with heckling, not with racing. And I don't mean throw my physically throw my bike, but you know, like, yeah, no, you know, I know what you, you mean. Know what I know about. what you mean. I just like the, I, I agree with you. You wouldn't do it because that bike is going to hit someone or, right. and it's a little disrespectful to people there, but I do like the idea of ghost riding a finish, like sprinting. And then ghost riding. Yeah. And then walking across. Yeah. Like that behind would, your bike. That'd be, that would be silly, but there's too many, there's too many variables in that. Uh, yeah. You'd probably kill a kid. I, uh, I was at the uh, single speed cross worlds in Portland in like 2007 or 2008. And I like the race was done. I was in, you know, like 40th place and I was way on the other side of the course and it's sleeting and I'm kind of loafing in 
And uh, I come across a bike snob and he's out there and he's like, what the fuck happened? Is the race still happening? And I was like, yeah, man, it, it's happening right now. And so we then took off. He took off after me and we were like, I mean, we were throwing elbows and it was like shoulder to shoulder. It was heroic. And we <laughs> crossed the line and you could see people like double taking like, what heat is this? Clearly this, <laughs> like, this is an important moment of the race, even though, you know, the winners were like already on the podium and stuff, but it was like, we really fucking dug into each other that last half lap. And th that <laughs> stuff just means so much to me. That is really, I love that. I love stuff like that, but like in general, I don't really give a shit about racing. Well, then that brings us to question two. Uh, do cyclists, bike riding peoples in general pay too much attention to racing and what it means about how they ride bikes when they're not racing. Mm. Right. I mean, I think about like uh, when everyone got their Lance road bike. Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I only know my own. Well, there you have it. He doesn't know. <laughs> Question three is what? I only know myself and my own experiences and I can't <clears throat> delve into the heads of, of all other bike riders and, and like the, the importance that people put on it. I don't, I don't get it. I just like playing. I like having fun. I don't like pressure. I don't like turning a thing that I do for pleasure into a job or a chore or I've got to go train. You know what I mean? What if someone walked up to you and was like, we have a job. It, it pays a uh, low six figures and it consists of playing RC trucks all day. <sighs> That'd be easy. But I also know myself well enough to know that like when I have when I become reliant on anything to make a living, I begin to resent it no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. I've made a living painting and the pressure to produce overshadowed the pleasure that I. The pleasure that I got out of making stuff, because I know that if I didn't do it and that's kind of what I'm kind of up against that right now, like. I like, I like managing my site and the stuff that I do to create content for the site or whatever. But like, I know that if I don't do it, I stop making a living and then I, and then it becomes laborious. Yeah. So it's, that's hard. It's hard to say. I need, I need diversification. So if, if they said you only have to like, you test trucks all the time and you play with trucks and or you ride bikes all the time and you have to race and you have to, or you paint or any of the things that I do for fun. But then I have to rely on that for a living. That's going to become problematic for me eventually. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. And I'm up against it too. I, I make content all the time. Right. And, uh, I really like it. Uh, except when I really have to, and then it is, pretty tough oh it sucks but. it sucks the creative process is whether it's writing or visual work or whatever when you have to do it it that's when the like the block comes in and then you just you're pushing it you're pushing a plug down a drain you know <laughs> and it, yeah for 
for me, it's like creativity is nonlinear, right? Like I'm not the same amount creative every day. Uh -uh. So some days I have three or four ideas and I put, I'll start little things uh, and I'll leave them there for later. And then the next day I have zero ideas. Yeah. I, I can't even like wipe my own bot, but that day. Yeah. And then I just hope that my number of ideas and my ability to get them out in a coherent way stays in front of my need to put them out in order to fulfill my commitments. Um, but it's, it's touch and go sometimes. I'll get things when I used to have monthly features in, uh, I think the monthly, the feature I had in paved magazine, that was, those were, that was the best writing I've ever done. And, um, and the most fluid, uh, and easily accessible, um, but I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would think of a sort of a turn of phrase or a, or a paragraph. And then I would have to get out and like, I liked it so much. I would have to get out of bed. Then I would go write some real quick notes and then I would get back into bed because I knew from having blown it enough times that when that, yeah. when that happens, you say like, Oh, I'll remember that tomorrow. You wind up with a crumpled up, a napkin in your pocket that says I would let Shakira bite off my balls. And, <laughs> and what good is that? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I get out of bed all the time. Brittany's like, what are you doing? Yeah. What, where are you going? I just have to write a sentence down. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's your process. What's, what's crazy is I'll get out of bed and I'll write that sentence down like you do. And, um, then I'll write the thing that the sentence goes in. Nobody notices the sentence. No one cares. <laughs> but you know, and that's, that's, that's huge. I guess I, you're right. You're right. I, I, there, this is what I like about what I do is that it's, I am, I am fairly self-satisfied. Like if I write a good thing, I, I don't need someone to tell me they like it or it's good. I, I feel good about it all on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has nothing to do with bike racing, but we already decided we have nothing to say about bike racing. We like it. We don't like it. Yeah. Both of those. We don't, we like to watch it sometimes. We don't like to watch it sometimes. It's fun to watch in person. It's fun to do. I've been entertaining the idea about finding an XC race to do again, because I don't, I maybe I'm getting to the point where I don't give a shit about anybody else's performance. But just to go ride a bike in a brand new trail and, you know, tape on a number. I, doing a cross race, I, I did a little pickup race a year ago and totally blew it. My strategy went completely out the window and I went, I went uh, one lap too soon and then got fucking crushed <laughs> by the two people I was... I was basically <laughs> racing with, I led them out for 14 laps and then went big on the 15th lap and then had a, had a 16th and they both just wadded me up and threw me away. 14, 15, 16 laps. What is this race? Uh, it's just a, a cross race, just a local thing. I feel like our cross races max out at like six laps. It's, it's not a huge, it's not a huge ah. course. It's just... It's pretty easy. Um, I, mean, I have always easy, wanted. But... Have you seen? Um, is it Belenki that organizes Junkyard Cross? Oh yeah, uh, 
Yeah, it was a, a group of people back in Philly that that put that on. They haven't done it in a couple of years, though. I haven't seen it in a few years, but I I really wanted I would love to do like an indoor cross race where you're you're racing down like hallways and then you go like climb up the stairs to the next floor. I I like that idea. I, I know nature is great. I really like nature, but I want to race that. You know, like you always talk about how how linear cycling is, and I think people have an idea of what a cyclocross course should look like. Yeah. And I just wish it were a little more Mad Max. I thought Junkyard Cross was pretty amazing, uh, although probably very likely to give you tetanus. That's for sure. Yeah, man, I've seen some footage of some people just just destroying themselves in that race. But what a, I mean, what an awesome group of people and what an awesome concept and what awesome execution. Uh, yeah. Bike Monkey had one at the Cow Palace in San Francisco that was both indoor and outdoor. And there was a little bit of a BMX track on the inside and a huge run up and a huge descent and uh, jumps. And then there was dirt jumping that was happening simultaneously. Like those were really cool events. Um, uh, what was, uh, oh, my friend Sarah used to put on cyclocross races when we were in college and they went all over the campus. Uh, the the oh. California College of Art campus, and they went through the dorm, and they went like upstairs and downstairs and th- through buildings, and and it was just total chaos. And then we'd end up doing a huge derby in the parking lot afterwards, and half the people were dressed, and half the people were <laughs> undressed, and it was just ridiculous. I like that idea. Yeah, there was there's also a there's a Red Bull organized indoor. It's like a indoor. It's not really a crit. I think everyone is on fixed gear. And it's just like a short track. It's nuts. And there are big like pads in the corners and people are like eating it and sliding out. And like uh, in a parking garage or something. Uh, no, it's like real like inside um, like a convention center or something. Mm. Uh, and it looks super fun. Well, uh, I think I post I posted a video of it on uh, TCI months ago, but it looks fun. There's it's it's really easy to put to put an event on, you know, and there's certainly there's certainly a shortage of outlaw races. You know, all you need to do is make a flyer and come up with a concept and maybe because you have stuff that can be taken from you, uh, have people sign a waiver and what, 10 bucks a head and you make enough money to buy sandwiches for people and, you know, maybe pad your pocket a little bit for your effort. That's it's super, it's super easy to, to put on nonsense outlaw races like this. And you get a little bit of a crowd. Maybe it's something you want to do, you know, annually or do a Halloween race or the 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 problem with for me like logistically is figuring out how to how to do timing you know mm. that stuff is really confusing for me and people want to know i'm of the opinion that either you won or you didn't win right and if you won you get jelly beans jelly beans and if you lose you if you come in last you get a custom independent fabrications frame <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah 
Bob's your uncle. I like it. <laughs> Millionaire Bob's your uncle. And you're cooking with daddy. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, we like racing. We don't like racing. All our races are cool, unless they're not. It makes it makes no sense. It's the most basic thing for humans to do. I think so. And we have limited uh, experience with any of it. That's right. Uh, so you want to do uh, a would you rather. This is, I think I sent you a replacement <laughs> yesterday because of the one that you, you, did. you came up with. Because there was... The one that I had was specifically for Joe Parkin to, and it was to make Joe Parkin uncomfortable, which is not cool. But uh, because I don't know Joe, we're not friends. But uh, I enjoy making people uncomfortable. Apparently, I was trying to pick his brain. Like I had all these, I I sent you a ton of texts about stuff that he hated. Like he hates, yes, he hates jam bands. So we're, I was going to try to like get, you know, like what's your, you know, so I was asking him all kinds of questions, just sort of like bar talk, like, oh, hey, here's a, here, here's something I've always kind of wondered, like, what is your greatest phobia? You know, but I mean, it was obvious, it was like, it was barely, barely veiled attempts at figuring out like things that totally made his skin crawl. Um, but the thing that I sent you yesterday after having spent yeah. 12 hours in the Las Vegas airport is I think probably one of the grossest things <laughs> in the world is a, is an escalator handrail on the strip. Yep. And so I was wondering, would you rather spend a 12 hour uh, shift, call it a 12 hour shift. You got a, you know, a little cooler of food. You got a little cooler of drinks. Um, you got your phone, you can like, uh, you know, play Tetris or whatever on, but you have to sit with your tongue pressed <laughs> against the handrail, you know, uh, maybe you want to lean back and wet your whistle, take a sip of soda, but then you go right back to tongue against handrail while, yeah. you know, every manner of scumbag is walking by and putting their poo encrusted hands on said handrail <laughs> all day long. Or spend six months with your, I don't know exactly like your, how your eyeballs work, but basically the information that you see gets turned upside down. So it would in mm. effect be as if you were walking around and looking at the sky is below and the ground is above. And that's six months. Your every observation is inverted. I mean... I think the obvious choice is the visual inversion. <sighs> I, and it, I should clarify, I, I dislike Vegas and everything that it's about so much that the idea of even being <laughs> at the foot of an escalator for 12 hours sitting on <laughs> without a, my tongue pressed against the handrail. Sitting on a I, stool. At the bottom yeah. of an escalator. <laughs> right. That by itself is enough to repel you, huh? Every horrible American coming down that escalator, like TikToking you or yeah. whatever, you know, like taking a video of you licking oh. the. Oh, so I lost the bet. Um, yeah. I can't imagine. There's not a lot I would like to do less than that. Yeah. And so I think the visual inversion thing you would get used to, like your brain is pretty resilient. I think after like a week, 
you would be able to manage it. I don't wholly disagree, but I also think that you, I don't think that, I think it would totally fuck you up. Like you, so like every step you took, you're looking at your feet, but you're looking up. You would kind of get used to it eventually and learning how to navigate. But, um, you know what left would left would be right. And right would be left. Would that also be a reverse image? I think it would be. Yeah, I guess you would very certainly pee in your own face several times (laughs) at the beginning. (laughs) yeah which i only do occasionally by accident now so (laughs) i'm trying to pee down but i can't i have to i can't help it oh that would just be you can't help it because you're inverted oh god i did it again i did it again uh what's that called a gurgling um bubbling (laughs) yeah where you pee in your own you pee in your own mouth it's called bubbling oh no you don't know about that i want to unknow that Uh, okay, so I, too, would go with uh, the inversion. I, could, I couldn't do it. I'm such a, I'm not a germ-phobe, but I, like, I, I keep my tongue to myself, mostly. What if, the, what if the, the alternate, instead of the visual perspective being inverted, what if the alternative was... You are stationed in a booth on the sidewalk in Vegas. And your your whole self is inside the booth, except your your bare ass sticks out. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a sign over the top that says, America, smack that ass. And you have to spend 12 hours with all of those people who have been handling that handrail that you were going to lick smacking your ass not to mention the horrible sunburn you would probably incur okay well i'm thinking about like a clear a clear plastic box that people could walk under your seat your your seat like you'd be sitting in a chair but there would be it'd be like a toilet seat so your your butt cheeks would be sticking out into the open air but the rest of you is encased yes. in this in That's this box right. um and so you people could let's see and so the sides would be empty okay it it basically looked like a it looked like a big chair but you'd be sitting inside of this big chair so people could really fucking light you up uh they could like reel back and slap either cheek depending on which hand was their dominant one that's right. It would be like, um, you know, you go to um, like an aquarium or a park and it has like a picture, but then you stick your head in it. Yeah. So that your face is in the photo, but it's like, oh, you're a pilgrim yeah. or like you're a space alien. It would be sure. like that, but for your ass. Uh, a vertical. Maybe there's even like a cool thing uh, painted around. So it, uh, is it a vertical hole or a horizontal hole? Because I'm imagining a horizontal hole just so you could you wouldn't have to be standing up the entire time. Yeah. I think there's an inclined uh, thing in there so that you're not completely uncomfortable. I don't think this is a physical challenge other than America smacking your ass Um, for 12 hours. Or you can lick the escalator handrail. Oh, I Between those two, I definitely take the ass smacking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want my mouth anywhere near an escalator. 
This is how bad the escalator handrail is. <laughs> I think so. I think so. You don't want Vegas public to smack your ass for 12 hours. You want that over the handrail? I think that's how bad the handrail is. Yeah, the handrail. But when be... the book of these comes out, we'll have to like workshop this one some more, I think. The thing that I most appreciate about the would you rather is generally how deep we go with them. <laughs> You know, but like yeah. we really put we really put our heads to some of these. I like that you put several brain cycles into, OK, what is the orientation of the hole? Is it ergonomically? Is it ergonomically OK? Am yeah. I going to be am I will there be strain on my knees? Well, if I'm standing like straight legged and then my sure. torso is at a right angle and then my ass is just like in the wind. Then I'm also worried about, uh, you know, like sciatica. Maybe there's a harness. Maybe inside the booth, there's like a harness, like a rock climbing harness, but like the top part of your body. So you can just totally relax while America smacks your ass. It'd be sort of like an enclosed stock. Like the old timey stocks where you couldn't move. Boy, that'd be a bummer, but I would go with that. You know, and some some ne'er do well would come along and try to put something in your butt, like for sure. Yeah, you would need an attendant because I don't think <laughs> having stuff put in like that's not okay. <laughs> I mean, whether you're into having stuff put in your butt or not, yeah. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying I think you know there's some a of line. Those, some of those, uh, some of those boulevard like like prostitution card flicker kids. They would definitely, yeah. you'd have all kinds of those cards stuck between your butt cheeks. Yeah, sure. you wouldn't want to get credit carded. Can you no, imagine like somebody, a paper cut uh, in there? I'm still going God. with, still going with that. If the, if the attendant is, is a, is a component to this hypothetical, then I'm going to, I'm still going with the ass macking. Either yeah. way. I mean, I don't want to get bludgeoned. I don't want, you know, to get hemorrhaged or anything, but. That we're not talking about that. We're just it's a smack, it's a smack or a lick, and I'm taking the smack. Oh, covering <laughs> the heavy you. the heavy topics here on revolting in the 50th episode. Yep. Uh I'm glad we sorted that one out. What do you say we wrap this up? Take it away, Steve. Thanks for listening to Revolting. If you <laughs> have any questions for us or topics you'd like for us to pontificate on. Uh, you can email me at steve at cyclingindependent.com or robot at cyclingindependent.com. If you like this or any of the other award-winning, not winning content you find on the Cycling <laughs> Independent, please share it with a friend. There's no f- point in you suffering alone. So on behalf of Revolting and Cycling Independent, I'm steve And I'm Robot. Don't forget to cycle.